Welcome to a brand new episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast with your hosts, David and Nick. In this episode, we tease big things at Marvel as other things end, chase some heroes through time and others across dimensions. Stay tuned for all this and more. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast. Oh, yeah. Oh. Heck yeah! Yeah. Okay. Well, it is you know it is a new year, so this is a time to try out some new things. Apparently, Nick is trying out a new catchphrase for the show, and yes, the ah oh, yeah, heck yeah, we love comics podcast oh. production. Oh, Nick, we're getting we're getting immediate feedback, and uh, it it's a hit. People love it. It's a hit. Yeah. Oh, wow! This, yep. this year has started off so well for me. Yeah. Well, that pe- this just like I'm like about to cry knowing that people love my new catchphrase. That's wow. I mean, you know, just the emotions of everything and how dark 2017 was just really kind of bums me out. Well, let's be honest. 2018 probably not going to be a whole lot better. Well, no, probably not. I'm I'm an eternal op- I'm and I'm I'm an optimist really. At the end of the day, I'm not one of those people that's all doom and gloom up yeah, in your room. Like, uh, it's lab. I'm a pessimistic optometrist. Yes, let's go with it. So I have a negative outlook about your eyesight. (laughs) You could say that maybe my view on things isn't very positive. Wow. Well, it's been real fun doing this show for the last however many years, but it's ending abruptly in this moment. This cannot be the reason that the show ends. There are way better reasons that have already happened to end it, and we didn't. So we are literally stuck. And so are the people that listen to this show. Oh, yes. I forgot. Hello. (laughs) Wow. We have not done this show for a couple weeks, and it is showing. I'm David Luzader. That's Nick Shermooksness. You're the listening audience, and this is the podcast where we talk about the latest in comic book news, and we review some books that have come out, and all that great jazz. You'd think by now I would have a nice uniform thing I say when I get to that part of the intro. Everything else is great. And then I am scrambling to be like, what do we do on this show? Eh, who knows? Well, no, one, no one likes a script. People want us for like our Jack Kerouac, just free form, just going for it, rambling about existential crises on a yearly basis. That's I, what they really dig in. No, I actually, I actually did get a compliment from someone today about our interviews that we've been doing the last couple of months. They said they really enjoyed them. Who? Which was, I mean, the interviews have been good. I just it was. I, I kind of said that who really forcefully. It came out not the way I intended it. Who? Uh, who? Who? Uh, who? The who? Was it the who? Yes, it, it was. was it who. was the who. It was the who. Uh-huh. Uh huh. No, it was friend of the show Phil Rude. He uh, reached out to me today and just uh, was listening to our interview with Meredith and said that he was really enjoying these and. You know, it, it's good because these these are things that I want to keep doing, and it's nice to hear that people appreciate it. So, if you have enjoyed the interviews, please do let us know. You can uh, find us on Twitter uh, at Heck Yeah Comics and email us heckyeahcomics at gmail.com. We really do want to hear. And if you have anybody in mind that you want to hear us talk to, please send it our way. Um, some people are a little bit out of our reach at the moment. So, if you say Scott Snyder, we want that too. But emphasis we're... on. 
At the moment. At the though. moment. At the moment. Uh, so we're looking at, but we're still trying to figure out who we're going to do for this month. Uh, it's, you know, it's still very yeah. early on, so we have some time to figure it out. And if you have an idea in the next week or so, hit us up. So I remember in the early days of our show, mm-hmm. however many years it's been. How many years has it been? Three? Four? This is going to be, well, we're three and a half. We're about three and a half in. Three and a half in? Mm-hmm. I remember probably in the first year, because um, I think we'd started before um the convention season or uh, whatever anyway it was before boston comic-con and i remember that scott snyder and greg capula were going to be at that boston comic-con and this was maybe earlier on in their batman run um it was like like this was at this point like they had just hit it big as far as like being on the map for batman the new 52 and all that mm-hmm. and i remember being like david like yeah we can get people that like you know get interviews on the show like we can do this like i'm gonna talk to scott snyder i'm gonna ask scott snyder for a sound bit or at the very least just see if i can get him to say heck yeah uh and then i got to the the convention and I was like standing and I could see like Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo just like signing after signing after signing after signing after signing. I was like, oh shit. And got cold feet and like was like, I can't even approach them. Like it's, you, it's not happening. You want to know who my, who the guy that I want to get saying, heck yeah, I love comics the most. Like the, 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 uh, I, I, the person that I really want to get saying it so I can use it in the show all the time. Who? Stephen Amell. That'd be so good. Right? Because Stephen Amell is like who I am trying to model my life after. Because he is awesome in so many ways. How's that going with the whole modeling thing? You know, fine. You are definitely not a model. Like, physique-wise, I... you're, like, you're like maybe an underwear model for like a TJ Maxx catalog. I mean, that ain't bad. People still I mean, want to see me. You probably get paid still, like, decent. Like, you know, maybe not crazy, but you could probably pay rent Nick, for, what like, are, a month or two. What are we doing? <laughs> what is going on right now? We should probably <laughs> start. We should probably start talking Ooh, about comics. Boy, that I'm... only stopped being about comics at, like, the very end, though. So I think we were okay. We were tangentially related. I mean, I don't um, want to talk about my underwear modeling dreams here on the show. That's a different podcast. Heck, yeah, <laughs> we love underwear modeling. Uh, that's a thing. That's a bit we used to do all the time on this show. Remember, we'd like get off on a tangent and be like, "But that's not this show." Find us on heck yeah, whatever random topic we were just talking about. Yep. You know, you've been doing a show for a long time when you have retired. Uh, you bits. reminisce about all the things you would do on the show. Ah, yes. Well, let's get into our stories. Our top story today: <laughs> After a disappointing summer, Humpty Dumpty has a great fall. This probably shouldn't be the story that opens up the night, but uh, why not? Charles Soule teases big Marvel thing, freshening up a character. Now, the reason why I'm saying this shouldn't be what we open up with is because what I just read in that headline is pretty much all we know. Charles Soule, uh, who has been working with Marvel for uh, like four years now, uh, has said that in 2018 uh, he is working on four ongoings for marvel that is very exciting he said there's a big thing in works that i think people are going to like trying to take an existing character and let them be seen in a fresh way not easy but definitely wonderful very excited to work with the artists on this we don't have any other information nick do you have any speculations so the 
most immediate one that just came to mind in my head is Spider-Man, Peter Parker Spider-Man, because Dan Slott is going to be wrapping up his Amazing Spider-Man run sometime this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could be that he that Soul has a fresh take on Spider-Man. Hmm. Uh, for me, when I, when I, someone's saying that they have a fresh take on a character, I'm thinking a character. I mean, really, that could be applied to any character that's been around, you know, moderately long. But to me, uh, I'm usually thinking that they're saying um, a character with real legacy would be like a various Avengers characters or or like X Men or Spider Man. At this point. Charles Soule, Charles Soule. He worked on the Inhuman stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's currently writing an X Men book. Um, some, some, he's got Daredevil. So, some th- I mean, Spider Man would be a pretty big white whale for him mm-hmm. to tackle in his writing career. Some people uh, are saying, just around the internet, uh, Giant Man is what one person guessed. Somebody said Cyclops, like the real Cyclops, which uh, you know wouldn't be outside of. Marvel's purview. Uh, I would not be against Charles Soule writing a Cyclops book. Though there's also been some cynicism about this. People saying, I hope by freshen up, he doesn't mean kill off and replace with a young, younger, hipper, newer version. Or freshening they're up. referring to Astonishing X-Men. Yep, freshening up an existing character. I guess that's Marvel talk for uh, gender or racial swapping. So um, Someone's you sensitive. Know, people are not... <laughs> People are not super excited about when Marvel's like, we're going to shake things up and, and here's going to be the new thing with this character. So obviously we have no idea what this is going to be. I'm looking forward, though, to the Giant Man reboot coming from Charles Soule. I mean, as though I would say for me with Marvel, like I get that people have been sensitive, whether or not like I know there I think there's the vocal minority as far as Marvel and whether Marvel's had a perfect approach to like the diversity thing, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, you know, uh, go ahead, finish, finish your thought. And I was just going to say that, like, I, I want Marvel to, try, to, to some extent, keep doing what they're doing. I mean, I want good comics, regardless of, of who's in this, what like, color their skin are, if they're gay or straight or anything like that. I mean, I'd like to read about both or all um, mm-hmm. pan Marvel comics, I guess is what I'm looking for. Um, but, I feel like, but it feels like Marvel is like trying to somehow uh, go back to a meat and potatoes approach. So it, they got to be careful with like the language they're using. Like, oh, we're freshening up a character, and you get the freaking knuckleheads. They're just like, oh, I bet they're gonna make Spider-Man a gay Jewish black woman and call her Spider-Man. Was mm-hmm. really Williams Jewish? Um, so I'm just gonna throw in some thoughts here. Actually, since we're kind of you know now on the the Marvel train. There was an article that I sent you, Nick, that was kind of about how 2017 was a really difficult year for Marvel on a lot of fronts. Was that one from the perspective of the comic shop owner? Um, I don't. I, that may have been mentioned in the article. I don't remember. There's there is one where some guy tweeted um, that he was down 21,000 in single issue Marvel sales alone from the last year, mm. and. The guy that posted this on Facebook uh, is a, a guy who's working in the comics indie scene. His name is Dave Baker. He uh, he had someone who immediately hopped on there and was like, political views and agendas, and they're they're you know they're taking that over quality characters and stories. And he said that uh, that's you know that's not really what the issue is for Marvel. 
So I'm just going to read what he says here, then we'll, we'll move on to some other stuff. But Marvel's sales are down right now for a myriad of reasons, but the biggest is because of the fact that they've been abusing a gated variant cover scheme to artificially inflate the sales numbers on their books. Now that retailers and fans are pushing back against variant sales, are tanking hard they've also mismanaged some of their top brands and put out crossovers that no one wanted the industry as a whole is down again for a lot of reasons but ultimately the reason that this is happening on a wider scale is the same reason that the spectacular bust happened in the 90s mismanagement of books and attempts at short-term stop gaps and gimmicks as opposed to long-term thinking and non-direct market reader integration so he actually is somebody that has talked about this a lot on Facebook and on Twitter as well. Dave Baker, look him up. He's a very interesting, knowledgeable guy on this. But uh, yeah, I just thought that was really interesting that that comparison, especially to the 90s um, with the mismanagement and the variant cover thing. I, I noticed I was looking at that today when I was in my comic shop, just like how many of these variant covers, you know, how many came from the store getting pushed to buying a certain number of books just to get that one variant cover. Right. Right. Which is uh, for me, I've never been a fan of variants. Like I, on one hand, I like the idea of having like multiple cover options, but they never should have been be gated behind specific things like buy a thousand of, or whatever of like this, you know, this issue to get like 10 of this variant or whatever. Like, sure. They can then turn around and resell them at a higher price, but they're potentially buying a lot of extra stock that they aren't going to sell. And it could be debatable whether or not they'll actually make back that money. Well, yeah. And, and someone commented on what he had posted, who owns a comic, who owns a comic shop and said, we would have customers coming and asking for a variant cover and getting furious with me for not having it to get that cover. I would have to order 200 copies of a book that we only had five subscribers for. Right. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, in my mind, is like, by the, you know, obviously, like, there, I get there's some value. To me, I feel like the, the comics value, you know, as far as, like, being this, like, money-making scheme, like, really ended in the 90s. Like, they really just should be in the same way that, like, we're watching. Um, and I'm not saying I'm an expert on this, but, like, for me, and I don't want to say that you can't be a collector or anything like that, I've definitely transitioned from, like, oh, I'm going to, like, from, like, I need to physically own this, it needs to be part of my collection or whatever, to just, like, I just want to read the stories. Like, I'm going to be reading the story in, like, five to ten minutes. I rarely go back to reread a lot of comics. Like, occasional ones will spark an interest for me to, you know, go back to. But to me, they're not, I'm not buying them for their value, their monetary value. I'm buying them because I just want to read them. So at the end of the day, like, I couldn't give two craps if, like, I got a special Super Variant cover. Except for that one Brian Lee O'Malley Young Avengers comic that I got a while back. Sweet. Yep. Well, what else? Uh, in our next news story, also relating to Marvel, they have uh, joined up with Tap Tap um, to launch their own Create Your Comics platform. Um, this is one of those out of nowhere things that I personally feel like will disappear in the middle of the night yep. without you realizing it. Um, but it's hard to know for sure what's exactly as far as like the platform that they're using. Um, Basically, on the on the site, uh, they're saying that your favorite characters, your original story, what happens when they collide? Create new panels, write speech bubbles, and share your original work with a community of fans. Launching soon to mobile and desktop. Sign up today to be the first blah, 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 to download the new Marvel Create Your Own app. So it's you know it's a comic creating app um, that sounds like you'll be able to upload your own uh, store your own artwork. You know, of course, they'll give you ways to put speech bubbles on. Um, so in theory, it sounds really cool. Uh, 
it does uh, behoove us to mention uh, the Nerdist points this out that there are some significant drawbacks to the create your own app. Uh, for starters, any stories made with the platform will belong to Marvel and Tap Dab, which I mean, like uh, to me, it, I mean, it's a drawback. Because you're using the their that, you're using their characters, yeah. Exactly, like that's to me that's not a drawback. Like you wouldn't use a service without that. Like I feel like that's almost unspoken, but mm-hmm. I guess you need to put it out there. Uh, there are also many story restrictions that will specifically ban content that could frighten or upset young children or the parents of young children. That includes divisive political stories as well as depictions of graphic violence and death. So to me, this sounds like it's a comic creating platform that they can use because it's open to everyone. Really, you're creating like Marvel Adventure line comics. Yeah, it's going to uh, be funny for some memes, and that'll be about it. Like you said, this is something that is going to disappear probably in the middle of the night. People will have some fun with. We might see one or two really jokey or weird ones pop up. Some really gross perverted ones will pop up, and Marvel will be like, we got to stop that. Well, supposedly the moderators that will remove that stuff, but it's just the kind but of that's thing... not going to stop people from like taking, you know, screenshots of it and passing it around. True, but I mean, unless it is like a, depending on how the app is set up, like it might not be super noticeable that it's coming from the app, uh, and it's not going to be promoted on the app itself. No, but it's but still, it still going to be happen. feature. It's going to be featuring Marvel characters. Maybe they'll get the guy that did the art for that. Uh anti-abortion Zootopia comic. Yeah. So maybe he'll come in and write a divisive political story featuring Gwenpool and Thor. I don't know. For those keeping track at home, this is two episodes in which we've mentioned that comic. Look it up. <laughs> also coming out of Marvel, got some Marvel oh, yeah. stories this week. Yeah. Uh, it, She-Hulk is ending in March. Issue 163 will serve as the series' final issue this time of around uh, the series, which is currently being written by Mariko Tamaki. Uh, she tweeted out that 163 will be the final issue with the character. And that's really all we know. That's so 161 is due out next week. Uh, and this is the seventh title canceled by Marvel in the past month. So, yeah, we haven't really talked about all these, but they are Jean Grey, Luke Cage, The Unbelievable Gwenpool, Hawkeye, Generation X, and Iceman. Several other titles, including America and Defenders, were not listed in Marvel's March 2018 solicitations, but they have not been confirmed as canceled or continuing. So there's some books in limbo, but seven books uh, that are now confirmed canceled. I mean, beyond the fact that that a lot of the books mentioned do feature, you know, characters that are not straight, non-white, not non-male, um, which like obviously, and I and to me, like I think it's it's it sucks that a whole swath of them are being canceled at once. You know, uh, it's easy to kind of like start feeling like anxious and being like, I can't believe Marvel is canceling so many books featuring minority characters but okay. we got to take the we got to take the the broader like objective approach here and like also you know one remember that marvel is a business business and two at the same time it's not that they're trying to throw these characters by the wayside but clearly something creatively or commercially or whatever wasn't clicking this time around for these characters um and they need to go back to the drawing board and find a way to bring them to a mass audience which probably could right. start with marvel actually advertising more than just like their major event crap yeah, um, but, yeah. Like you said, it does suck that these are characters that are featuring non-straight, non-white, non-male characters, um, mostly. But again, uh, that's that's really more on the audience. And like you said, like Marvel could do better promoting it, but also audiences didn't latch on. Uh, 
and some of right. these some of these characters like Luke Cage, he has been coming and going for years. He will come back and have his own ongoing She-Hulk, again. She Hulk as, as well. Hawkeye. How many Hawkeye, Hawkeye series have there been the last few years? You know, Iceman's a character Iceman, that rarely get the series. Generation X has been around yeah. since the nineties. Yeah, Iceman and, and Jean Grey. I don't. There's no way they could have sustained their own books. Most solo uh, X most, most solo X Men books don't tend to. Even stay. Wolverine, even Wolverine goes away and comes back. Like he, right. he's disappears and then comes back in his own. Unbelievable. One thing I, I like, you know, we'll for, just for characters that don't um, like whole series, like Marvel. Just, like today, I haven't read it yet, but like Marvel launched a Rogue and Gambit book, but like, it's a mini series. And I think for some of these characters, like a Jean Grey or an Iceman, basically most of the X Men, um, like I'm not saying a so like a a, on, a true ongoing couldn't work potentially, but just come out with these mini series for these characters, so you get some solo no, adventures. I agree, that, that is so much better. Because then you yeah. just you have someone come in, you're like, all right, you have six issues, do whatever you want with this character, and if it's like really great, then it, and like sells really big, then maybe you know it'll get picked up and they'll continue right. on with it. But right. it sets these expectations, and also like for a writer and storytellers, like you can't really tell a complete story because you have to be telling this ongoing thing. And if you if you have a chance to just tell the story you want to tell and have that be it, I think that can lead to, to probably some better storytelling. Right. It keeps it more contained. Uh, it lets the audience know that hey, this is only going to be. I'm only getting six issues of this, so like I know. And if if anything, it hopefully gets it creates people to want more. I mean, Spider Gwen started off as a one off issue in an anthology series, and that blossomed into a pretty successful series. So sometimes it's just finding the right creators, matching them with the right characters. And then putting it out there. And, you know, in this case, Mariko Tamaki, you know, I've read, oh, crap, I can't remember whatever the book is. Well, some of, one of her independent works I read, and she's, and she's very good. I have not read her She-Hulk. Um, I know that when she came on the She-Hulk, she was uh, coming on after Civil War II with, I guess, what was deemed fairly unpopular, unpopular treatment of She-Hulk and kind of her transition to being just the Hulk. Um, and just being kind of like Crazy Hulk instead of just like how like she what She Hulk usually is. So it's, she picked up a baton of like an unpair, unpopular character change and rode with it. And maybe eventually I'll come around to checking out. But maybe the book in of itself is good. But it wasn't the direction a lot of people maybe wanted She Hulk to go in. So it didn't work this time. But She Hulk will most definitely be back in either another ongoing series or mini series of her mm-hmm. own. Yes, with confusing numbering. Yeah, so that's the interesting thing about this, like the Marvel, with, especially with Marvel Legacy, not that Marvel's above, uh, you know, not every series got renumbered. So let's just say, okay, She-Hulk's ending with number 163. Let's say that we end up going a couple years without a She-Hulk series, maybe a year, maybe two, whatever. Um, but some time passes, so we're already probably on to the next Marvel initiative. Um, will they really bring She-Hulk back the next time around as She-Hulk number uh, 164? Will they do it as She-Hulk number one as an ongoing, or will they do like She-Hulk in like a miniseries title? Remains to be seen. Very true. Uh, and another news, but shifting away from Marvel over to their friends at DC, uh, they have released a a uh, or the Sci-Fi Channel has released a uh, release date and trailer for the uh, show Krypton. I shouldn't I shouldn't see trailer teaser. Teaser. Well, yeah, I after you watched the teaser, you basically gave me the inclination I shouldn't bother. Can you describe the uh, the teaser? Yeah. So, what has been announced? Uh, what what the teaser is for those uh, curious? You can find it on Twitter. It is ten seconds long, and it is just the Superman shield with the words "There's more to the legend." Krypton three twenty one from Sci Fi. 
Yeah. So for those you know that don't know, the show Krypton is supposed to be. Uh, I think it's centered around uh, Kal El's grandfather, not even his father, but his grandfather. Uh, and I'm assuming it's just going to fill out Kryptonian culture yep. and leave, work its way towards, you know, Jor-El and Zod so, and all those people. Yeah, it will follow destruction. It'll follow Superman's grandfather, Segel, whose family, the House of El, has been ostracized and shamed. Segel uh, fights to redeem his family's honor and save his beloved world from chaos. They could have picked a much, much better name. Can, uh, wait, can you say his name one more time? Seg L. So really, this is a show about Krypton, but it's featuring Steven Segel. Uh, so this will feature him in his twenties. So they are, uh, they are just trying to be like, we're not gonna have Baby Clark running around. They are really pushing that like this is gonna be way before that. So all the stuff that people are interested in, they're not going to be able to show for seasons. Yeah. Many, 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 many seasons. That will never happen because the show will last maybe six at most. Six if seasons? It makes it one. If it makes it one. I'm just not expecting it to yeah, go past. I, 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 if it's, if it's not popular, gonna... maybe up to six seasons. If it's not popular, then it's barely going to make one. I'm not going to pass judgment. I mean, we had Smallville come out in last 10 years. We've had Gotham last uh, uh, five Um and ongoing. To be fair, yeah. now Smallville is a great example of a show that, like, you know, I think some Smallville had a lot of heart. Not that I've watched a lot of it, um, but obviously, like, in we're also in like a golden age or a glutton age of just superhero <laughs> properties being inundated everywhere, including mm-hmm. especially on TV. So it's like for me, like, I have so much to watch, even beyond just superhero stuff. And honestly, I barely get to any of it. Um, yes, we've noticed. Like, yeah, whatever. Shut up. Um, I don't know if I'll get the Krypton. Like Krypton would either like the the next the actual trailer that comes out would have to really wow me, or I'll have to like stumble into watching the first episode and really be blown away for me to add it to anything else to my currently super long to watch list. Yep, I yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, I have not watched Gotham yet. I watched the first episode. I haven't watched Happy yet, which is also on Sci-Fi. Yeah, uh, I have no idea how that's going. Hopefully, good. Uh, so we'll see if, if I hear Krypton is amazing and there's an easy way for me to watch it, then yeah, I'll give it a go, but I'm not going to say right now that I'm going to throw my hat into that ring and just to kind of round things out since we're the beginning of the year, uh, we'll go ahead and mention that according to a Fandango poll, 2018's most anticipated movies are Avengers Infinity War coming out may 4th and black panther coming out february 16th uh the other movies on that list just for the fun of it uh number three is jurassic world fallen kingdom for the untitled deadpool sequel which i love that that is the title of that movie uh five is that actually been confirmed as the official title of the movie i think so I think that that is that, I mean, there has not been anything else. And it's really close to, I mean, it comes out June, but it would be pretty ridiculous for them to uh, change the name now. I don't know. I mean, it's still listed as Deadpool 2 on Wikipedia, uh, but IMDb, Untitled, oh, no, the Untitled Deadpool sequel, Fox.com, the website for it is the Untitled Deadpool sequel. They're really going with it. Yeah, I'm into that. I think it's funny. 
uh, anyway, number five is Solo, A Star Wars Story, Boo, which is coming out May 25th. Uh, anyway, six is Incredibles 2. Seven. Why is you boo? Because I don't care about the Solo story. No one cares. Don't g- give us new stuff. Give us new, exciting, fun stuff. Don't give us, here's how Han Solo got the Millennium Falcon. I don't care. Oh, yeah. Oh God, you've been like way more passionate about Star Wars lately than like I I thought you'd be. Oh, I, I I've been angry about this movie for a long time. Number six, Incredibles two. Number seven, Fantastic Beasts: The Crimes of Grindelwald. Also have thoughts on that, but not going to get into it. Eight, Wrinkle in Time. Nine, X Men: Dark Phoenix, and ten is Ocean's Eight. So there you have it. Uh, oh, X Men: uh, Dark Phoenix is so low on the list. I mean, it's still in the top 10 most anticipated movies. It's the second lowest top 10 anticipated movies. Okay, yes, out of all the movies that are coming out. Anyway, we're... Anyway, uh, so <sighs> all of these all of these are remakes or sequels. Wrinkle in Time is an adaptation. So I guess that counts as not those things. I just think that's really interesting. But, I mean, that kind of makes sense, you know? People have seen the, the previous iterations of these films... And they're excited to see what comes next. Infinity War makes sense. We're we're at the tenth year of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, I just watched Iron Man again last night because I'm doing that whole rewatch all the Marvel movies one week at a time leading up to Infinity War. And man, is that universe they were setting up way different. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, it's interesting that I I I do want to. Um, uh do the same. I got to watch that before the weekends. Um, but I definitely want to do that same thing just to really see how far the Marvel universe has come. The Marvel cinematic universe has come, you know, with the, all the changes that go went on behind the scenes yeah. and so, what they did know ahead of time, what they didn't like, I think that'll they, really come across in the product. Yeah. They definitely were trying to be, um, you know, they're trying to be like, Oh, Tony Stark's this mega genius and has vented a little, like a little bit of sci-fi stuff, but it's still kind of in the realm of possibility. We, we want to make, Iron Man, you know, conceding that it's science fiction, like what would it look like if somebody actually built the Iron Man suit? And then you have like uh, Nick Fury being like, I think he's the only superhero, which we later come to find out, like there's been superheroes everywhere for years. Uh, You have S.H.I.E.L.D. as this like small little secret operation that like nobody really knows what they do. And then you come to find out S.H.I.E.L.D. has been around since the 50s and is actually like this gigantic organization that it feels like... You can be a gigantic secret organization. Uh, But I feel like by the time that we start seeing like in the TV shows and stuff, like it's shown to be ginormous. I think one of the... And I'd have to... Now, granted, you just watched Iron Man because I know Tony Stark like didn't know what S.H.I.E.L.D. was. Or, or I guess, I don't know if he didn't know what S.H.I.E.L.D. was, but um, wasn't it like Phil Coulson? Like, he was like, he, he, did he, he just not know who Phil Coulson, Coulson worked for? Or? In, well, in the beginning, they don't they don't say S.H.I.E.L.D. until the end of the movie. It's strategic right. homeland intervention, blah, blah, logistics division. Uh, one thing that I think is just, it's really funny that I, I'm really excited to see rewatching these movies is to see how things changed because mm-hmm. you know we we like to sit here and be like they've they've been planning stuff out for years same thing with star wars it's like look at all this stuff that is like now canon but really 
if you go back and kind of dig into it, a lot of stuff happened on the fly. And I feel like that definitely happened with the MCU as well. They start off with Nick Fury's like, we want to talk to you about the Avengers initiative. Like, okay, cool. We're going to build up to like the Avengers. This is going to be a whole thread. And then Avengers gets there and it's like, uh, the Avengers initiative was scrapped. We never talked about it. We never really set out what it was. But it was. Well, uh, I mean, that that's a little different. That's basically Nick Fury by the time Avengers comes around saying that, like, you know, we had this idea, but we never saw it through to fruition. And then it happened anyway. But yeah. That's more well, of a story beat than a behind the scenes direction. Like, right. But they, they, they have the stuff that they that they, they want to set up. And then I feel like they very quickly abandon it or take it in a new direction. And that's not necessarily. Stuff they abandon. I mean, for example, like in the end of uh, Captain America, Winter Soldier, they dismantle shield, like literally shield came out and this was like one movie, one or two movies after Avengers. Um, and then, but then it was like, wait a second, but at this whole point, like we already, we just made an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show. So now they had to be like, Agents of oh. S.H.I.E.L.D. Underground. Well, and, and, and they mentioned S.H.I.E.L.D. in Iron Man is this, you know, they say they're, they're more focused than the FBI and the CIA. But they are this huge sprawling operation that really don't understand what their purpose is. Uh, and they also handle foreign and like national affairs they're not they're not narrowly focused they're extremely broad and sprawling yeah the the comics kind of always made shield out to be sort of the world um, police basically like a world police but like it was like on one hand it was like okay they work through the un but they're like but then it's sort of like they're they're majorly u.s backed and there are times where they were just a u.s agency and then all this like you know, to me, I think they work better as like a UN-backed security force. You, you know, actually, there that is funny that you mentioned that in Avengers, in in most movies, actually, the Pentagon um, will authorize for actual uh, like jets and and stuff like that to be used if you know there's going to be like war scenes and stuff like that, or like time on like an army base and you want to populate it with tanks and stuff like they will authorize you can yeah use these things in the movie i mean they have enough sitting around that they could use them i think yeah. that that makes but sense go on they didn't they didn't authorize it for avengers because they could not figure out who shield answered to really yeah because no one knew out of the thousands of people that work on these things no one could say whether they were a u.s bag or they could just make it up no no they they, they answer to the security council that is the, the most council in the movies, which I think in that design yeah. is designed as a UN type council. But they never say that though. They just say security council and who, how this council I think is they call decided. The World security council. Because uh, there's people from a different, okay, from different okay, countries but, that but make they, it up. But they never say like, that's the UN security council. It is just the security council. It's like this very vague the world security council. That doesn't matter. That doesn't mean that it's backed by the UN. Like that means that it's just this strange group of people who got together and have power over this like the paramilitary or... council was an international council formed of politicians from some of the world's most powerful countries to function as oversight for shield. Okay. Take it away, David. Okay. So that's a nice thing they've come up with now, but at the time that movie was being written and in production, it obviously wasn't figured out. That's like, that's another thing of like, oh, we'll figure it out later, which is fine. That's fine. This is just an interesting little tidbit. Get your panties out of a bunch, Nick. I don't know, David. You seem really wound up. Holy shit! You're the one who's wound up about this. You just like had to Google it, and I don't We're care. We're having a discussion. 
No, we're, it's not a discussion when you look stuff up and say it in this tone of voice about how right you are. Sounds like you have an insecurity about voice tones. Uh, I want to talk about this crap right here. Yeah, fine, whatever. Just fine, that's stupid. To the Batmobile. Let's go. We also review comics. Nick, go ahead. <laughs> what the heck was that? You know what it was. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I uh, decided to check out the uh, return of Jean Grey, uh, specifically the Phoenix Resurrection uh, event that's going on from Marvel. Uh, I mean, non-event because Marvel's not doing events right now. But it's an event. Um, yeah, so Phoenix Resurrection, The Return of Jean Grey, the longest comic uh, title name so far this year, um, probably. Where are we at two issues in? So uh, for those that don't know, it's about Jean Grey coming back. I think I already said that. Uh, it's written by Matthew Rosenberg. It's drawn by a series of artists so far, Lionel Francis Yu and Carlos Pacheo. Um, Art-wise, uh, Pacheo or Pacheo, I can't pronounce his name, uh, Pacquiao, um, as the stronger of the two. I do like Leano Francis use artwork, but I found that his issue felt very, compared to some of like the really cool stuff he's done in years past, uh, I felt was a much more rushed. Like there, there wasn't as much character uh, details on the characters. The, the action wasn't as explosive or the choreography wasn't as great. Uh, to me, it just, it felt rushed. Um, Pacquiao, um, you know, a lot more like he's always c- coming with like very solid lines, very, um, you know, uh, what's wrong for like nuanced characters as far as like expressions and body types, like they all seem different from each other. Um, and overall, I thought the storytelling was better in the second issue. Um, we don't really know anything just yet. It's still been kind of an, even though this is only, I think like a five issue mini series, um, obviously the, the return is spoiled in the freaking title. Um, but, it's basically we're getting like a, I guess it's referred to as people refer to it as Twin Peaks. What I've been reading online, I've not actually read Twin Peaks, but I guess Twin Peaks is kind of like eerie and creepy to a certain extent, kind of weird. Um, some strange phenomena is happening around the world, and the X Men are investigating. Uh, in the meantime, we're catching up with a woman named Jean, who's a waitress at a diner and kind of like a weird idyllic town that's uh, being populated by various dead people within her life, including. Cyclops, Banshee, uh, Magneto, though he's not technically supposed to be dead. Um, Annie, who was a girl that got hit by a car the moment that Jean's psychic powers, or and upon her death, the trauma caused Jean's psychic powers to manifest, which prompted her to uh, like kind of absorb Annie's memories or like experience her death as she was dying. It's a weird side anecdote I felt like bringing up. Um, and other various characters, Multiple Man, uh, Madrox the Multiple Man showed up in the latest issue. Um, so she's in this environment where it's hard to say if these all these people are existing in the real world, um, that they're just under some weird kind of illusion, um, but they are, in fact, all alive. If this is in the white hot room that was established in Great Morrison's new X-Men run, um, that's just been turned into, like, this idyllic town or what mystery yet to be solved. Um, but the Phoenix itself is on its way back to Earth. How this also all ties into the Jean Grey, the Teen Jean Grey huh, solo series, um, you know, also remains to be seen that does get referenced. So everything that's been leading up into that series uh, is kind of folding over into this main event. Um, it's hard to say. Writing wise, 
Uh, I've been a fan of Matthew Rosenberg since that book that named literally the second I decided I was going to say it has left my brain. Um, it's from Black, Black Mass Studios. And I'm just going to have to Google it now because this is great stuff. But um, his writing overall is very hot strong. Googling I feel like action. he has a pretty good – what? I said hot Googling action. Hot <laughs> Googling action. Um, I feel like his his story – we can never go home. I think I've actually recommended that on the podcast in uh, a previous year. Um, we can never go home by Matthew Rosenberg from black mass studios is a really great comic. Uh, and he's been kind of building his name up at Marvel for like a year or so now. I think he's done rocket raccoon. Uh, I think he did a couple Kingpin mini series for them. Uh, and now he's moving on to Phoenix, uh, resurrection. I think he's got, he's got a bunch of stuff in the works. Um, so he's got a great authorial voice. Uh, I have, I didn't like all the decisions he was making in the book. There was sort of like, it's tough because on one hand, like I think he's 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 definitely trying to play with atmosphere and even in order to build up suspense. At the same time, he's kind of painted into a corner because literally the book is called The Return of Jean Grey. So we know at the end of it she's coming back, which sometimes you know the ending before you you know, before you begin, but you still have to find a way to make the experience to that ending notable or like compelling, I guess. Uh, and I don't think he hundred percent hits hits it out of the park. Um, the stuff with like this Twin Peaks, whatever town that Jean Grey is stuck in is interesting. But, um, the other stuff like basically, so Kitty Pryde's leading the X-Men right now, which is cool. Um, but she basically does this thing like they, they happen upon these two mutants that are, or uh, two kids that are just like floating in a ditch with like, looks like their brain, they got shot in the head and like bloods everywhere, but they didn't actually get shot. And they end up being okay. But it's like, it was like an instant, like, yes, was weird. But I have to imagine, like, on the variety of th- weird stuff that the X-Men see, that, like, this really couldn't have been that big of a deal, other than the fact that it made Rachel Gray an alternate future daughter of Cyclops and Jean. Uh, you hated that sentence, didn't you? Um, uh, like, she kind of, like, passed, or she started to feel weird and, like, passed out or something. So all the psychics are getting screwed up. But she basically assembled this giant team of X-Men, like, just so that we could have an excuse to get all these various characters from various rosters and all that in the room. A lot of characters that aren't even being featured in current books. And she's like, all right, I'm going to split you guys up into teams. And, and if you don't get picked, like, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. Like, all right, here's your mission. And then it cuts to like where all these, like these three teams are going. And like literally everyone on the team are part of exist of current X-Men comic books right now. Like you have all the, um, the teen displaced teen X-Men on one team with rogue. You've got like the weapon X team. And then you've got Kitty prize X-Men gold team. What's weird about that is like, I think the thing that stuck, stuck out to me most about that scene was that there, the Kitty pride and beast seem to have this idea that like the Phoenix is coming back. Like a really major issue is happening. They have a room full of veteran adult X-Men to choose from. And usually the X-Men make kind of a stink about sending teenagers off into the field, even though these are the original X-Men. Um, but she decides to send the teen team. Why? Like, she has all these other X-Men she could have chosen from. She chose this team just because from a, a meta-narrative standpoint, they're being published on their, in their own team book currently. That was the only thing that I, like, kind of took me out for a second. Um, but overall, it's an interesting attempt. I'm not... 
I'm not hating it, but I'm not like, I'm just like, all right, like I'm kind of waiting for issue number five. Uh, so for some people, I might say maybe wait until Marvel Unlimited, maybe wait until it comes out into the trade, unless you're a super crazy big Jean Grey fan, in which case you're probably already reading it, so there's nothing else I need to say. Well, there you go. This week I read, uh, I believe, actually I don't remember, don't remember which one it was, I think it was Superman, um, but I have been keeping tabs on the Super Sons event, or Super Sons of Tomorrow, which has spanned across issues of Superman, uh, Super Sons, Teen Titans, and then, I guess, again, Superman, and we'll be wrapping up in a couple weeks in the pages of Super Sons. So this is the second-to-last issue. The storyline is that in the future, Jonathan Kent, a.k.a. Superboy, is going to um, explode and kill millions of people. And a crazy Tim Drake from an alternate timeline where this has happened has gone back to kill young 10-year-old Jonathan Kent uh, to prevent this. And, of course, you have Damien and the Teen Titans, uh, all sort of at, and Batman and Superman as well, kind of all at odds against him. In the beginning, he, like, he has a fight with Batman and incapacitates him, and that's kind of the last we've heard from him. He also incapacitates Superman, but in this issue, we get the return of Superman. We have not, in four issues, heard anything about Batman, who was, I think, shot by Tim Drake. Um... Anyway, I'm not going to talk about any specific issue. I'm going to kind of talk about where things are um, at a whole. And you have Tim Drake who... So in this future, there are two Batmen. Um, apparently, this Tim Drake has shown up in pages of Detect Detective Comics before. So if you're following that, you saw him try to kill Batwoman. Now he's trying to kill Jonathan Kent. Um, he comes back. He's counter-Batman to Damien, uh, but wears a more traditional suit like Bruce uh at some point he takes on this new costume cuz he ends up in the teen titans kind of like vault and puts on sort of a myriad of of costumes cuz his suit's damaged and he starts calling himself savior and it's really funny to me how quickly people take on that name they're like yeah okay he's savior like they they were like we had to get here before savior got here and it's like i mean you guys were just calling him tim drake 2 minutes ago i don't know why you're now just calling him by his code name, but I guess if you're in a world of superheroes, that is just how things go. Um, also, one thing that I thought was really odd was Tim Drake made an Akira reference. I don't know why yeah. that was just odd to me. He was like, he's going to go all Akira in the future. Uh, that felt a little odd to me to have someone just making like a pop culture reference as a as a level of what's going to happen. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff you could have said that would have kind of gotten within the like point. A, even within the DC context, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, you could have gotten the point across a lot better than making a reference to. You could tell that just must be like what the author like thought of, and like, oh yeah, Akira, I'll throw that in there. anyway. Um, and this issue of Superman, you have everybody working together to contain because Jonathan is half human, he's half Kryptonian, um his super flare ability that he gets from Superman, which is Superman's like newest superpower. Um, he can't quite contain it the same way. He can't really use it the same way Superman does. It becomes unstable because of its half human DNA. Uh, it's usually triggered by an emotional response and it's happening again. And all the heroes, because also heroes from Tim Drake's timeline come here um, because time is trying to pull him back to his 
point in time because time travel works however the writer of a comic book needs it to work at that time. Though I do really like the idea of time trying to pull the time traveler back to their point in time. I think that's really interesting. It's just not consistent with the a whole bunch of different time traveling that we've seen in these various comic books. Uh, anyway, they, they all show up. They're all working together. And there's like a really sweet moment um, where the new Superman of this uh, of the future, which is Connor, uh, is with Clark. And, you know, they they realize that they're going to have to go in to try and contain and stop what's happening to Jonathan. And it's, it's probably going to cost them their lives or they're going to be very hurt by this. And it's just this really nice moment of like them coming together and Connor having this moment of like, I failed him before. I'm not going to fail him again. Like it's my son. And like, neither of them hesitate for what they're going to do. And apparently that sparks something as small spoiler alert for the issue that sparks something in Tim Drake. And he gets, a chance to kind of sacrifice himself um kind of just talking generally about this book it's been an interesting fun little story it's been contained uh which is nice if if you like these characters it's you know it's not a book where it's like we're going to cross over uh the teen titans and i'm trying to think of like the opposite of teen titans that would be super crazy to cross over with you think I would have a better example just like at the ready, but I totally don't. Uh, I like Teen Titans and Hawkman. I know Hawkman doesn't have a current ongoing book, but if it was like Teen Titans and Hawkman, like these characters are all kind of playing in the same space. You know, if you're reading Superman, you know about Jonathan Kent and this is his son. So it's obviously, it makes sense that Jonathan Kent would, or that Superman would play a role in the storyline of someone trying to kill his son. Uh, Teen Titans, obviously you've got Damien and, and Jonathan, who's who's sort of a Teen Titan. Super Sons, obviously. Uh, this fourth issue seemed to kind of wrap stuff up a little bit. Uh, this Tim Drake isn't dead. He's just gone somewhere else. Uh, and I imagine issue five will be kind of a wrap-up um epilogue of everything maybe setting up of how we're gonna get jonathan to be able to control this new power uh and i'm very curious i love the character of jonathan kent i love his discovery of new powers and his struggle of trying to control it and being excited as a 10 year old but entering the world of how dangerous superheroing is um it's really really neat character really neat book so yeah this is is an event that i've really enjoyed and has been really fun and yeah so now very cool yep now we're going to talk a little bit about doomsday clock number two which i believe came out last week but we didn't have a show and so we didn't get to talk about it and we have some thoughts on the book if you aren't reading it it's Here's just sort of the short version of what happens. Uh, things are going really bad in the Watchmen universe. And uh, in order to try to make things better, the a few heroes from the... Well, two heroes from the Watchmen universe and uh, two villains who have been recruited by said heroes um, have transported themselves into the DC universe to try and find Dr. Manhattan because they, they know that's where he went. 
Evans. So, I mean, yeah, uh, first ahead. off, I would say it's really uh, there's a lot going three on. Three villains it's... and an anti-hero from the Watchmen universe. Y- yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It's not the crew that you would think would be trying to save the world necessarily. I guess Adrian and Rorschach would. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So for those that you know, it's it's Adrian Vetvia who also goes by Ozymandias. Uh, who was basically the central b- villain, if you want to call him that, of Watchmen. Antagonist. Um, you know, and had orchestrated the destruction of New York's to try and unite the world. Um, basically, uh, Doomsday Clock is a sequel to Watchmen, as much as there can be a sequel to Watchmen. Or basically, at, at least as far as DC is concerned for now, it's a sequel, though you don't necessarily... It's not a proper sequel. It's not Watchmen 2, but it is carrying on story threads, potential story threads from the end of the original Watchmen. Uh, This is one possible way that that series could have evolved into something more. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a new Rorschach and the original Ozymandias teaming up with two new characters designed from the Watchmen universe, uh, Mime and Marionette, uh, who really are just kind of like Joker, Harley Quinn stand-ins. being recruited uh, by Ozymandias uh, so that when they get to the DC universe, well, they get to a universe because they're trying to find Dr. Manhattan, as you said. Um, but he, he, for some reason, oh, what was it? Uh, so in the book, in the second issue, we find out that the reason Ozymandias thinks that Mime and Marionette uh, will be helpful in trying to recruit Dr. Manhattan is that when Dr. Manhattan had foiled a bank robbery by them, normally he just shows up and is like, screw you, and then blow, like, yeah, just obliterates them. Um, but he realizes that uh, Marionette is pregnant at the and time stops. and then opts to not yeah. obliterate them. So for some reason, he, Osmondeus thinks that that's enough that by bringing them on this like interdimensional journey with them, that's somehow going to coax Dr. Manhattan. Uh, or at the very least, make him not it, obliterate it, them all. I think it, he's hoping that it'll spark an emotional connection back to their world. Potentially. Um, but yeah, um, I don't know, David, what do you think, like, as far as the execution of the story so far, the, the way the characters are portrayed, the way the narrative has unfolded so far? I mean, we've got 12 issues, so we still have plenty of story more to go. But, you know, two issues and we have, a. I think, whatever expectations we had going into this book, I think that we... To, I personally have, my expectations have changed. Uh, I'm surprised with kind of like how it's been set up so far. And I really can't tell you where it's going to go. Yeah, it's a really interesting book. And the fact that it's 12 issues means that they get to take some time and really explore some of these concepts and characters and flesh stuff out. And I feel like they have been in the context of the 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 DC universe, you know, we get Lex Luthor and Bruce Wayne. Uh, Lucius Fox shows up, but in part of Bruce Wayne's storyline, but we don't get Batman. You know, Batman has mentioned the idea of Batman is kind of talked about a little bit, but we don't get a scene of Batman going around the city. Uh, the The two key players right now, of the DC universe are Lex Luthor and, um, and Bruce Wayne. And, you know, you have this ship crashing into Gotham and you could have had Superman flying in because it's an alien ship. Uh, Watchtower immediately flagged it. So Flash is also there and Cyborg is like talking into him. You could have made this suddenly very much about the superheroes of this world. But they haven't done that. And I think that's really smart. I think it's a really great way to do it. Uh, you're allowing these heroes who are human 
to first interact with their humans. Uh, you know, they're they're not there to to deal with the superhuman aspect of this world yet. It's obviously going to come into play. Right. It's like there's a high concept, but what we're really getting is a character story. Yeah, and I I really like that. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, at the end of this issue, we get the revelation that comedian is still alive. Well, the I almost Someone say comedian that is looks still exactly alive. Like yeah. a comedian, and but also and, knows Ozymandias is alive. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, we don't obviously know why this comedian is there because we know very much that the comedian is dead. Um, but again, this story seems to be willing to take some turns, and I really. I'm really enjoying it. Um, I'm really curious to see where things are going to go. There's characters we still haven't seen from Watchmen yet. Uh, like a lot of characters we haven't seen from the DC universe yet. They are, they're playing things close to the chest, letting stuff build. Um, we, I like that they are kind of parsing stuff out with this new Rorschach. Uh, we learned that his name is Reggie in this issue um we learned early on that it is a black man so we know like it's not you know it's uh, it's not it's definitely not walter korvac yeah so th- there's still mystery to it but they are saying that it's not uh but they, they're not they're not saying like they're they're showing that like okay you're gonna get answers you know it's gonna come and it's it's the answers that have come so far have come very naturally yeah. I like that they're not playing with like, oh, is Rorschach still alive? Because like that, that would actually I think piss a lot of people off. Right, that's not a mystery that anyone wanted. And I think it, and and tying that into the comedian, um, I just realized so two major plot points that we can expand on in a second that come up in issue number two is the Superman theory, or the Superman theory I think they call it, which is basically the a answers the, a quote unquote answers the question of. Why is there a disproportionate number of superheroes, superheroes. and superhumans in America? America. Yeah. Uh, and that relates to the idea that their, that their creation and proliferation has been funded by the U.S. government, which is causing global tensions, in many ways mirroring the fact that there were, much, there were global tensions in the Watchmen universe, mm-hmm. of course, especially with America and the Watchmen universe having the sole superhuman. Um, but also the idea that Dr. Manhattan, uh, they, uh, I think it's Ozymandias posits that Dr. Manhattan came to this world and might actually be hiding on it as a, as a superhuman, which means that he could be interacting with uh, existing characters as uh, an existing character. Or, which I just thought of now, is that I'm thinking that might be that Dr. Manhattan might be the comedian at the end there. Oh, that would be, yeah, I, I, I very much figured Dr. Manhattan has something to do with that. I mean, he could have very easily brought the comedian back to life for this interaction, or it could be him. Um, yeah. I love that idea of like, maybe Dr. Manhattan is somebody that is like operating. And I would love if it was like a minor character, you know, obviously they're not going to be like in Clark. Dr. His, Manhattan is Alfred. Right. It's not going to be like Doc, Dr. Manhattan has been Clark Kent this whole time. That's why there's like six of him. He's one of the three Jokers, whatever that means. No, this book. Oh, that's possible. No, this book has been billed as like a Superman, Dr. Manhattan slugfest at some point. Yeah. Or well, just that they'll collide at some point. So it's going to be a big Superman book. Uh, certainly Batman. Um, what was I going to say? The only thing for me, just how at least how I feel about Dr. Manhattan, Manhattan's character from Watchmen is to me, 
I can see him coming to this world and being fascinated because as far as he knew, no matter how like his expanded his mind and senses and all that were from from being Dr. Manhattan, like mm-hmm. he was the sole superhuman in his universe. So obviously he comes to these universe and finds out that he's actually not unique. But I feel like his mindset is still so broad and kind of above everything that the idea of him like wanting to just like assume kind of like in a John Jones kind of way, like I came from this alien planet and I'm going to pretend to be this detective to kind of like explore your world. I can see them doing that with Dr. Manhattan, but I also feel like it isn't a hundred percent true to his character. Like you can kind of stretch it, but it's not perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this book, I, I think it's really interesting to have this book coming out and I don't want to like get into the merit of one of these stories over the other. It's just so funny to see this, uh, contrasted so much to metal which metal is this insane high octane crazy book where all this insane stuff is happening and then you have doomsday clock happening at at the same time which is very measured and slow and taking its time uh and right now just a a very small cast of characters and a book that we're all still being very cautiously optimistic about um, people are so far, it seems very happy with these first two issues, uh, which there was a lot of tension of what, what is this going to be? What is going to happen here? And people are still responding generally positively, I would say. Yeah, I, I would definitely say so. Um, crap, I had a thought and now I've totally lost it. Um, so I might just give up on that, but, (laughs) um, yeah, nope, it's gone. Oh, oh, you really, you really have... <laughs> I literally, like, my thought, my thought was I, I definitely had something that I wanted to say, but I cannot remember where it went. Cool. Well, do you have any other thoughts on, on uh, Doomsday Clock right now? Anything else? Any plot points you wanted to mention? Oh, oh, and now I remember what it was. So this was just more of, like, the point out, uh, and I don't know if you were aware of it, but this actually takes place a year from now, Doomsday Clock. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, that that makes sense with the way that they were talking about Batman and how Gotham's mm-hmm. like turned on Batman. So I feel like in the most recent Detective Comics, like you learn that like Gotham's turning on Batman too. So I feel yeah. like it's kind of a way like they're doing their own thing because of the whole Superman theory um, that that's kind of turning the world upside down, but also kind of like relates to how certain books are portraying the characters right now, which is that their people aren't fans of them. Uh. Yeah, I in like the Justice League comic right now. No one's a fan of the Justice League. Oh yeah, I need to need to get back oh, yeah, on that, that Justice League train. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to say something about Bruce. Oh, I really liked the scene with the the Rorschach. That was a nice little transition with the Rorschach test. And I like how when they're showing them to Bruce Wayne, everything they show, uh, you can see what he's seeing, like what he would see. Um, but then obviously he's talking about boats. But you, know, you, mm-hmm. you can see like a bat. You can see uh, a little kid with the two parents in the alley. Uh, I thought it was just a really clever little visual device that they didn't have. Like when I looked at those cards, what I really saw was my parents dead. Oh man, I didn't even pay attention to that. Yeah, like the one that looks like Bruce standing over his his parents, his, his dead parents. Like yeah. I didn't even pick up on that. And you're right. Like one of them looks just like a bat. Like oh my gosh, I can't believe I missed that. Well, you're welcome. 
for me, I'm clearly just like from that How I Met Your Mother episode. Boats, 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 boats. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited to, to read this when it's all collected and done and and see what this whole story is. I think Jeff Johns is doing a really good job right now. And, of course, Gary Frank's on art, killing it. Killing it. Well, very cool. Guys, we want to hear what your thoughts were on Doomsday Clock or anything else that we talked about. You can send those to us, heckyeahcomics at gmail.com, and you can head on over to heckyeahcomics.com just for more information about the show. You can also follow us on Twitter at heckyeahcomics, and you can follow me on Twitter at davluz, that is D-A-V-L-U-Z. Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, you can find me there, and you can uh, find Nick... Working on improving himself for the new year. Trying to be a better him. Yeah, let's go with that one. Sure, why not? Thank you guys for listening. You, of course, can find us here next week. Same heck yeah time. Same heck yeah channel. Until then, goodbye. Worst episode ever.